wisdom, grace, and salt in our relationships uh, toward those who are outside of the faith, right? That's the, the focus today, how he uses our relationships towards those who do not know Jesus. And the importance of wisdom in our life, but grace in our speech and salt. It should be full of flavor, flavor of the gospel. So that's what we'd like to focus on today. And no doubt the Church of Colossa was a really young church and new believers. And they had family members and friends who did not know Jesus. So what's their relationship to them? How do we live? How do we relate with them? And so that's where Paul is going now. I'm going to read verses 5 and 6. Paul says, Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time, or you can say making the most of every opportunity. That's the sense there. Let your speech always be filled with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to, how you ought to answer each one. Notice that each one shows a priority of the kingdom in the Christian life, right? Verse 5 ends with um, redeeming the time, making the most of every opportunity. So we're, we're kingdom citizens in all that we do in our life. And same with the last part of verse 6, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Very kingdom-focused, shows the priority of the, of the kingdom in the life of the Christian. So, yeah... Think about this for a moment. Do you ever feel this sort of uneasiness in your relationships, say, towards your family members who don't know Jesus, or maybe friends, or maybe your colleagues at work? You have this sense of, ah, I belong to Christ. They don't. You love them, no doubt. You pray for them, but there's a difference, isn't there? They're just not one with you in Christ. That's the, that's the big difference, isn't it? So why, I mean, that explains to some extent why there's that sort of uneasiness, but why ultimately is there this kind of uneasiness? Well, the reason goes all the way back to Genesis 3.15. When God made a line between the world and the church, he made a division. A division between those who belong to the world, those whose loyalties are of the world, and those whose loyalties are to Christ. That's the main division in the world. It's not races. It's not colors. It's not countries. It's believers unbelievers. That's the line. That's the division. God is the one who made that. But the reason why God made that, because he could have left us all inside of the world, right? But he says, no, my grace is stronger. I'm going to call up people to myself so that they belong to me. And therefore, in Christ, right, the strength of the gospel is in him. But you know, 
this is why our unsafe family members, friends, those whom we really care about deeply, you know, they're outside of Christ. And yet Christ, as Paul would say, is your life. That's your life. He is your life. It's a big difference. You feel the door to their hearts toward Jesus is so tightly shut, so tightly bolted. And only God's word, you know that, you believe that, only God's word is strong enough that he can open that door through the spirit. Christ broke open the door, of course, in his death and resurrection, right? He opened the door to life from the death, right, from the grave. So he has the power. You know that, you believe that, but still you feel a little frustrated because you pray and you pray and you pray, asking God for him to open their hearts to Christ as he did in your life. You pray for that. Some of the believers in Colossae no doubt felt the same. Yet, how does God, this is really important, how does God, how does he call you to relate? How does he call us to relate towards those who are outside of Christ? He wants us to relate to them in a special way, in a certain way. Because when you think about it, who receives the worst criticisms in the world? It's Christians, especially when they fail. And we fail many times. And the world will say, ha, you call yourself a Christian? And therefore, Paul says, this is really important. Take care of your life. Take care of your speech. And the Lord will use it. He uses ordinary believers to work in the lives of those who don't know Jesus. So how does he call us to relate to those who are outside? Well, two ways. By walking in wisdom. You see that in verse 5. And verse 6, by speaking with grace. Oh, and, and with salt, by, by the way. But the first thing is by walking in wisdom. That focuses more not on your words, because people don't necessarily listen to your words. They want to, what, what, what enables you to speak is when they see your life and they say, there's something different about their life. They have a certain joy, they have a certain peace, and that's what makes the way open for the words. But Paul begins with life, walking in wisdom. Walk how? Walk in wisdom towards those who are outside. Who are those who are outside? That's a very peculiar phrase here. You don't see, you don't see it mentioned very often in the New Testament. You see it in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 7, for example, and I think in 1 Timothy chapter 3. But those who are outside are those who are outside of Christ. They are outside the church, outside the family of Christ, inside and outside. Right? That's how the Bible views the human race. Think back to Genesis 3.15. The world and the church, outside, inside. Those are the two camps, you could say. The two groups, the two humanities. That's the Bible's way of seeing the human race. You're not of the world. You live in the world, but you're not of the world. The world itself is of the world which belongs to Satan. So yes, whatever caste, class, or color is either in Christ or outside of Christ. But you know, regarding then our relationship towards those who are outside, there's one of two temptations. 
that's often existed in the church. And, and neither of those ways are walking in wisdom. Okay, so we're going to see what walking in wisdom is in a moment. But we have to take great care that we don't do one of two things. One is to kind of, kind of erase that line between the church and the world, kind of blur it, blur the distinction, make it a little bit gray, right? So you can cross over and make peace with the camp of the unbelievers. It's so easy, isn't it? It's a, and that's a temptation for everyone, for Christians. It's easy to become like those who are outside of Christ in order to keep the peace, right? To take on their ways, to adopt their ways. But that's not walking in wisdom. Apostle Paul knows that the Colossians face that temptation very strongly, right? Because their family members don't believe. Their friends that they used to hang around with don't believe. Paul says, but that's not walking in a way of wisdom to kind of adopt their lifestyle anyway and, and go along with them. We might call that chameleon Christianity. You know what a chameleon is, right? A chameleon is a lizard, lizard which has the ability to change its color in order to blend with its environment, right? So a Christian might say, well, I'm a Christian on Sunday and I praise the Lord and then I'm with the unbelievers and I adopt their ways for the rest of the week, right? That's called chameleon Christianity. It's easy to blend in with whatever group you're in in order to protect yourself, okay? So that's one way. That's not to walk in the way of wisdom blurring the line between the world and the church. We can't have one foot in the church and one foot in the world. We have to have both feet in Christ. Of course, we're in the world, but we're of Christ, in Christ, but we're not of the world. Okay, call this, God has called us out of that. Okay, the other danger is to try to avoid contact toward those on the outside. That's not walking away with them either. Well, they don't belong to Christ, so I'm going to stay away from them. I'm going to move away far from them as far as possible. I don't want to contaminate myself. And so you keep yourself away from all those big, bad people, those people who belong to the world, the big, bad world. That's not walking in the way of wisdom either. That's not walking in wisdom towards outsiders. This is what you may call, if the first one is called Christian chameleon, right, where you blend in, it's hard to know who you are depending on what environment you're in. This one's called Christian tribalism, as one author calls it. He calls it musk ox Christianity. You know what a musk ox is? Well, musk oxen, they're in the Arctic. And what they often do is they form a circle around their own backs towards their own, and horns forward. And they're there to guard against anything, any threat, any danger. Of course, there's a place for that. But there are Christians and churches who distance themselves towards the outsiders, towards those who are outside. They're not interested in walking in wisdom towards those who are on the outside. While the first you could say is saltless salt, it has no flavor, the second one is kind of like hidden light. They hide the light. How are we to walk towards those who are outside? Verse 5 says, in wisdom. 
that we walk towards those who are outside? We must. They've been created in God's image. We have a responsibility. But we must do so in wisdom. That's what the Apostle Paul is telling the Colossians here. And that brings us to that theme verse in Colossians. Colossians 2 verse 6. He says, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus, so walk in him. Very clear. Walk in Christ. Okay? Walk in wisdom means to walk in Christ. And walking towards those who are outside, right? Developing relationships, very important. Interacting with outsiders. We are, as we do so, we are to walk in him. Both feet planted in Christ. Both feet planted in his way. In his ways, according to the word. Not compromising our standards. We belong to Christ. His word shapes us. We believe in the word of Christ, right? The word of Christ, not the word of the world. Because he is our wisdom. And that's why Christian education is so important for our children. Do you want to prepare them to walk in wisdom towards those who are outside? This is a good way. Prepare them so they walk with both feet planted in Christ and they're ready to walk in wisdom toward the outside. Wisdom, hey, it's more than just knowing the Bible. Wisdom is what? It's very practical. It gives us the skills on how to apply the Bible, how to apply the words of Jesus in very practical ways. And here, of course, in our relationships towards the outsiders. Now that I know Jesus, how do I walk in him towards those who are outside? We need to look no further than Colossians 3, 15 to 23 again. It's all in the context of this is practical wisdom, church, home, and work. Right? Because that's where the world, that's where those who are outside of Christ see us. Or actually you could say see Christ. They're not, we're not so interested in them seeing us, but seeing the, the work of Christ, the work of the gospel in our lives. And so what we're going to do is we're just going to just go through those briefly to show what it means to walk in wisdom towards those who are the outside. Think of the church. Right? The church is kind of seen as weird by the culture. Old, maybe, old ways, strict. But Paul says, it's a family. It's the bride of Christ to whom you belong. 15 and 16, if you look back to verses 15 and 16, right, it mentions the peace of Christ ruling your hearts. Yeah, the main question is, are you reconciled to God through faith in Christ? That's the key to true peace. The world does not have it. They have all the fun. Well, Christians have fun too, but a different kind of fun, which is a lot more fun. The world does this harmful kinds of things, but they never find the peace. That's the key. The peace of Christ, which comes through faith in him. Right? And more, Paul says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let Just let it soak in. You know, What's strange to the world is that you keep your Sundays. <laughs> I mean, that's, that, that, that's set aside for God. And the world says, yeah, you got to make money, sir. Be practical. No, no, no. This is practical. 
because God is interested in winning the world. And he, and unless they, the world sees a difference, a difference between Christ and Satan, the world won't be attracted, right? Walk in wisdom. Walk in wisdom, says the Apostle Paul. Remember this Samaritan woman at the well in John 4? You know, she had five husbands. She was looking for peace in her life. Five husbands. She had her sixth one that she was not married to. And Jesus walks, you could say, in wisdom. He is wisdom. He walks towards her, the one who was on the outside. This woman was so used up, so beaten up by the, the sins of the world, so crunchy, so dry. She had nothing left. But she was drawn to Christ. As a matter of fact, you read that story, she left her water pot at the well. And who did she take with her? The well, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then she started going to the villages. And you know what? Just very simple. She says, come, see the man who told me all the things I ever did. Come, see him. That's what church is. Come, see him. Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule in you. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. So important. Second, your family your marriage and your children. You know, with Christ as your life, the world says, huh, look at the relationship between husband and wife in Christ. Look how the wife submits to the husband. And look how the husband loves the wife. That's different. And they might knock you, they might mock you, but they see a difference. It's walking in wisdom, towards those who are on the outside. It follows a pattern of Christ, right? The church subject to Christ and Christ who gave his life uh, for the body, right? Just as he loved the church and gave himself up for her. And your children, boy, all oh, parents make a lot of mistakes, but you know, they observe and they say, boy, they take discipline really seriously, hard work, Many tears, many struggles, but they take discipline really seriously and they want to discipline, they want to train their children in the ways of Christ and his word. And yeah, and then you see by God's grace some of the fruits, children obeying, children listening. Something of walking in wisdom, walking in wisdom towards outsiders. It's not that you're doing it for the outsiders, you're doing it to please the Lord. You're there to glorify God. But as you're doing that, they might be seeing something you never even realize what they're seeing. Unawares you are, but they're seeing it, they're observing it. They may be making comments at home about it. So, so important that they see the difference between the church and the world. Two very different humanities, right? One called by grace of God in Christ, the other one, outside finally the workplace no no shortage of disputes in the workplace no shortage of greed and selfishness but you know what christ forms and shapes a kind of a, a new attitude among those on the inside where paul says you know remember obey your masters not with eye service as man pleasers but in sincerity of heart fearing god 
And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. You serve, you're free. You serve a new master. You know, whether you work at home, whether work seems boring, but you work, you're, you're, no, you're no longer a slave to the money, to the things of this world. You've been redeemed from that. And you see a difference. Huh, look how he works. Boy, that makes, they get irritated sometimes. They work hard, they work faithfully, they don't slack off, they don't get out early. Faithful workers. It's a difference. That's living in wisdom, that's walking in wisdom towards those who are outside. You know, children, sometimes dad and mom, dad or mom might say, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to go to this function. And we're not going to go there. Because your mom or dad are saying, your mom or dad are saying, well, if I say yes, you know what we're doing? We're no longer walking in the way of wisdom. That's not the will of God. We belong first to Jesus because Jesus bought us. We belong to him. Right? It's that kind of, that's the kind of thing Paul's talking about when he says walk in wisdom towards those who are outside. Because when we have the kingdom in mind, sad to say that the kingdom in the church today it lacks priority. Many things uh, we have priority, but kingdom thinking tends to be pushed down. But Paul says, redeeming the time. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Redeeming the time means making the most of every opportunity. So even as you're simply wanting to glorify the glorify God in your in the church, in the, in the family, in the home, and in the workplace, even as you're doing that, um, the Lord is using those as opportunities, and so are you, making the point of every, making the most of every opportunity, like a bargain, like a bargain in a sale. You snap up whatever opportunity you find for witness. Winning one soul for Christ is worth it all. Proverbs 11, verse 30 says, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. There you see, right? The tree of life that's sort of uh, expressed in, in Colossians chapter 3 in church, family, and work. And he who wins souls is wise. Paul says this, boy, he wished he could die in order to see his own brothers and sisters among the Jews saved. He says it this way, if by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh and save some of them. He knows, he knows that when Christ returns and judges all humankind, that God, Christ will say to those on his left, depart from me into the everlasting fires, prepare for Satan and his angels. You know, Paul here knows that he has a responsibility. How he wished, he even says, how I wished I was cursed so that my brethren could be saved. Walking in wisdom towards outsiders. You ever feel like you lack wisdom? I think we all feel that. What does the Bible say? James 1, if any of you lacks wisdom, what must we do? Pray. Pray. Let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without finding fault. 
and it will be given him. God doesn't say, uh, you know what, you're not living your life good enough, so I'm not going to give wisdom to you. No, no, no. He doesn't sock it to us. He says, if you lack, you ask, and he's very open-handed, he's very generous, he will give it. But ask him. How does God call us to relate towards those on the outside? By walking in wisdom. But one more thing. Also by speaking with grace. Look at verse 6. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt. You know, the Lord is intensely interested that his bride become beautiful, right? He's beautifying his bride by the word, and by the washing of regeneration, by his spirit. And there seems to be a close connection to verse 3. Verse 3, remember what Paul prays? He says, pray that God would open to us a door for the word. That means for the, the Bible. And now he's saying to the believers in Christ, let your word. When you speak, let your word. What? Your words may be the occasion where God opens a door for you to speak into the lives of those who are outside of Christ. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life. Be careful how you speak. Verse 5 says two things here. Let your speech always be, number one, with grace, and number two, season with salt. Let's look at the first one. Let your speech be with grace. And you know what? Grace means more than just being polite. There's a lot of unbelievers who are very polite. But that's not the grace that Paul's talking about here. Okay, many people from the outside are very polite as well. But it means words that result from the grace of God in our hearts by his spirit. Having God's grace in Christ, we are commanded to do what? Get rid of the old mouth. Right? The old ways. Look at 3 verse 8. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, filthy language, and most definitely lying. No lying, no deceit. These sins are not speaking, these sins are speaking, but they're not speaking with grace, are they? Abusive speech, vindictive speech is never gracious, is never winsome. And then Paul goes on to say, yeah, but what should your mouth be like? Well, think of those words he wrote, wrote in 3 verse 12, 13 and 14. Tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, above all these, put on love. Or think of Jesus' words on the cross when he prayed for his enemies. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. You know, sometimes in speech, sometimes we're willing to take the hit. If it's for the sake of winning our friends, family over, sometimes we're willing to take the hit. Speak with grace. Right? But then it says, also let your words be seasoned with salt. What does salt do? You ever have food without salt? Yummy. No. It's bland. It's insipid. And you just say, where's the salt? 
and you can hardly eat it. It's, it's tasteless. Apostle Paul says here, let your, let your uh, speech be seasoned with salt. In other words, it should be full of flavor, distinct flavor, the flavor of Christ. It should be thought-provoking. It should be worthwhile words. It should make one think. The one who's on the outside, maybe it draws a person to listen. You don't have to say a lot. You hardly have to say anything. But sometimes there's a winning line. Or you've reflected for two, three days. When the kingdom is priority, you think about these things and you think, how can I say something in a way that makes that person think to consider? That's what the gospel is, right? The gospel's flavor. There's so many ways to, to, um, to describe the gospel from, from the Bible, right? It's the good news of forgiveness and life. The sharing of the eternal hope that comes through Christ to all who repent and believe. Right? It may be a carefully crafted question, or it could be drawing a person out through that question. It could be telling a story. Maybe you could just tell a story like Nathan told David. Nathan the prophet told David. Or a simple word that just strikes at the heart. Time and person sensitive. Loving and at the same time truthful. It might be hard-hitting or pointed or maybe showing the way of comfort to a hurting soul. Words that are seasoned with salt are clear, the discerning of the one who is outside. You get to know the person. You know, flat out evangelism, that's nowhere commanded in scripture where you just kind of go out and just tell everybody. No, it's relationships. It's always responsive, right? Um, certainly God calls evangelists, he calls preachers to be direct. But you know what? He doesn't put that burden on all people. But he does call us to be responsive. So when there's a situation where we respond, he opens that door, we respond. Right? With grace, seasoned with salt. Notice verse 6. That you may know how you ought to answer each one. Each person is different. And then knowing how to answer that person it's having the sense of knowing where that person is at. This means praying for that friend, that relative, or that coworker. Carefully reflecting, praying for an open door. That's what it means, always being ready to answer as we are. Right? Taking the time. You know, that's part of kingdom living, right? In terms of our relationships towards those who are outside. You know, it's in the context of the workplace. Peter talks about that. And he instructs the congregation. He says, you know what? You're going to receive threats in the workplace. And he, he says, you don't be afraid of their threats. You don't be troubled by them. And as a matter of fact, Peter even presupposes that sometimes behind the threats... There's a deep-seated question. Sometimes when people give threats, there's a question behind it. And that's why Peter says right after that in verse 15, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that is you have, but do so with gentleness and respect. Your answer implies a question coming from one 
who asks about your life. That often comes in that kind of context. They see uh, you're walking in wisdom, and questions come. Sometimes they come, sometimes they don't, but you can always pray for that opportunity. Responsive, responsive evangelism. Proverbs 15, 23 says, a person finds joy in giving an apt reply. And how good is a timely word? That's a good way to think about those who are outside. How can we love them in the best way, in the way that God here instructs us? In our relationships among unbelieving family, friends, and coworkers, one of several things can easily happen. Right? We don't think about it, and therefore we don't make the most of our opportunity. Sometimes we don't even think about it. We just go to work and do our thing and go home, go to work, go home, go work, go home. You know? And but to think on it, to reflect on it, making the most of every opportunity. Maybe there's a question and we totally ignored it, we totally skipped it, we weren't thinking about it. Or maybe we're too rushed and we don't want to take the time. This is so important, time. And then maybe sometimes we think, well, it's no use anyway. How about you? Do we think along the lines of scripture here in terms of our relationship to those who are on the outside. Do you find this sort of life, kingdom life, pulsating in you? How much is the kingdom a priority in our day-to-day lives? Yes, certainly we serve our families, we serve the Lord, but to think of this as, as one big way that the Lord wants us to relate to those who are outside. Wisdom, grace, salt towards those outside. And know this, God uses you. Sometimes I think we sometimes think that, well, God's not going to use me anyway. He will. He does. And it is said that 75% of people who come are drawn to Christ, are drawn to the church. It's not through pastors. It's not through crusades. That's an old word, right? It's not through healing services. It's just through personal relationships. Just personal relationships. That's how most people come to Christ or are drawn to Christ and to the church. Let your words be with grace, seasoned with salt. You may know how to answer. He uses wisdom. He uses grace and salt and all, and all our relationships towards those who don't know Jesus. God uses you. And be encouraged. Because remember what Jesus said in John 10, 16? He says, other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring in. They will hear my voice and there will be one flock, one shepherd. So there's sheep out there who have not yet been brought in. And he uses, the Lord uses you to draw them to him through his word. God uses your life, your words to draw in the sheep. Don't minimize what God can do in your life. Don't underestimate it ever because greater is he who lives in you than he who is in the world. Remember those that, that line between the world and the church? Christ has won the victory. The world belongs to him. And he gives you the strength. And therefore, God would say, take care.
take care how you walk and how you speak, how you live and how you talk. Amen.